This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I have a first time guest today, Janet Waring, who is the co founder and CEO of Art Form Business Solutions, Inc. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tell people a little bit about you and Art Form, please. Sure. So, Art Form has been around for almost 25 years. It'll be 25 years in February. So we work primarily um, with the government contractor audience. That's kind of our niche. So the way we see it, organizations have just a dizzying selection of digital platforms and marketing tactics. And so at Artform, we use data to bring clarity to that. So data has the potential to be the most valuable marketing resource you have. And so with the right information in hand, you can create scalable, repeatable marketing processes. The challenge, however, is that few marketers really have the expertise to work with data effectively, and that's where Artform comes in. So your Artform is parsing data. Yes, <laughs> that's what it has become, as data has become more and more important in the marketing and advertising world. All right, so we're going to be talking uh, about reaching the audience. So recently you put together a uh, short article on uh, 10 tips for writing and promoting thought leadership pieces that people want to read. So mm-hmm. let's start there, but start with the little intro that you gave that piece, because I'm not as familiar with the uh, Edelman study. Uh, I'm not familiar with it at all, actually. Sure. So the Edelman study you talked about just the importance of being a thought leader in your industry and just the impact that that has. So some of the stats that it quoted was, you know, 55% of decision makers say that they use thought leadership content as an important way to vet businesses. That would make sense. And people, you want to work with people who know what they're doing and what they're talking about. And so 47% of C-suite executives say that they'll share their personal contact information with sellers after reading a quality thought leadership from the brand. So oftentimes people don't sign up for something, but if they begin to see you as the leader and the expert in that industry, suddenly they're much more open to sharing their information, allowing a conversation to take place. And 61% of decision makers say that they are more willing to pay premium prices to work with a brand that articulates a clear vision through thought leadership. Well, and Edelman may not have been focusing on the government market, but market connections research indicates basically the same thing. Uh, The research from government executives leading brand studies earlier this year did the same. And on your side of the river, Hinge Marketing does uh, a lot of research into this as well. So same results. So thought leadership pays serious dividends. Yeah, and just personal experience as well. Doing the writing that I've done with the Forbes Business Development Council and the guest speaking and guest blogging. When you are seen as an expert, I can tell you firsthand, it makes a big difference. Cool. And Mark, I'm sure you've experienced that too. 
Uh, yeah, a bit. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been generating content in this market for over 30 years. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely seen as a thought leader for sure. Oh, well, thank you for thinking so. Um, I, I'm, I'm an aggregator, that's for sure. So let's discuss your your tips for writing content. Uh, and it starts with maybe one that's obvious, but considering what I've been reading lately, it apparently it's not obvious to everybody. So why do you need to know your audience? <laughs> well, that would be tip number one, is know your audience and write specifically to them. So, I, you know, as you said, it seems obvious, but sometimes you can get so caught up in the day-to-day, you miss the obvious. But yeah, what's trending? What's relevant? You know, what's happening in the industry right now that you want to write about? And that way you're going to have more people looking at the article and sharing the article when it's relevant and um, important to them at the time. And in the government industry, there's no lack of trending topics to be writing about. Um, So that is certainly first tip there. Yeah, there's always something. I mean, it's not necessarily a fast moving market most of the time, but it is always morphing. Point number two would be keyword research. Right. And that's a really important one because knowing a topic is one thing, but knowing how people are searching for that topic is another one. So a lot of times people write great content, but they haven't optimized it correctly or used the keywords and terms that people are searching for to find that information. So there are, you know, lots of different ways to do keyword research, um, lots of free tools available, use them, find them, you know, make sure your content is being found by the audience you want to have find them. Okay. So if I wanted to do this using Google, how would I do that? Um, I typically just get on Google and start looking at the, like research the topic that I want to do. I use um, a tool called Moz. It's a paid tool. But that is the key. There's a lot of free ones out there. So in Google, if you just start to look it up, you can see what terms are coming up, what's coming up organically, and what's coming up paid. There is Google Keyword Planner tool. Ahrefs has one. There's Keyword Generator. Lots of different ways to look at it. Cool. So um, research tools like BuzzSumo. BuzzSumo, you and I have talked about before in the in our ideation group. Answer the public is a new one to me. Right. So these are great tools to use. Um, like BuzzSumo, I use the free version of it, so you're limited in the number of searches that you can do. But it's still really helpful because it will show you, you enter the topic that you're interested in writing about or researching, and it will show you all the articles on that subject and which ones have the most engagement. And that helped me in forming the um, H1s that I want to use in the um, content when I put it out and what's the title that I should be using. So oftentimes when we work with clients, they'll title something one way and we'll look in BuzzSumo and just tweak the way the title is worded, which is also becomes the H1 and how people find it. And it performs a lot better. So it all comes back to knowing how people are searching, and BuzzSumo is a great tool for finding out how to title. Yeah, I mean, that is an intriguing topic to me. 
I used to not worry about titles, but I mean, again, I've been writing in the market for 30 mm-hmm. years. Over the last decade or so, I've seen a ton of research that just indicates it's the title or the graphic that draws people in initially. Right. That's a really great point that you bring up too, just about the graphic, because often in a thought leadership piece, you know, the graphic is what's going to catch the eye. And then when somebody clicks on the graphic and opens it up, if you can at any way communicate in a visual way, whether it's an infographic or some type of graph, that is going to be shared. I think it's like 80% more than just a wall of text. So graphics are super important and having that information presented um, in some type of visual way is going to help your content reach a lot more people because people will share it more often. Yeah. And again, it's difficult to overemphasize the importance of that written title mm-hmm. as well. And I read somewhere, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, that when you do uh, tips, odd numbers are better than even numbers. So is, does that sound right to you? I have heard that. I have not researched that, but I know that I have heard that before. Okay. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Janet Waring and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Janet Waring of Artform. Janet, tell people your uh, website, please. Oh, sure. It is artformagency.com. Well, that's easy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, tip number four for writing is uh, list your most frequently asked questions. FAQs used to be very prominent on websites, 90s, early 2000s, but I I haven't seen much of them recently. So give give me your best shot here. Yeah. So I think you used to see that on websites a lot because people – We've shifted, particularly with the pandemic even, that we've shifted from a website being a online brochure to now being more of a sales tool. So when it was an online brochure, people wanted to have their FAQs in there for sure. Now you can use your FAQs more in content like we've been talking about. So often I see in companies where the um, marketing and sales teams are siloed and they don't really communicate very well. And one of the great things that the Marcom team can do is to ask their sales team who's out there day to day, ask what are your most frequently asked questions, and then create thought leadership and content around those most frequently asked questions. So not only does that give you some content for your website, but it also gives your sales team a tool and things that they can reference and point people to when they are out on the field and phone calls and people are asking questions, they have something to send them that shows the thought leadership piece. Okay. Yeah. And you use these to obviously uh, help create that content. If if you have really good answers to questions that are frequent, why wouldn't you leverage it? Exactly. And that's where using um, Google to the people also ask question feature mm-hmm. on um, Google is a great, place to find those questions if you you know your sales team might give them to you one way put them into google and see how people are asking actually asking them and searching for them and then revert your questions around that cool provide insights into industry data what do you mean by this one well often we get data just thrown at us you know it's 
that um, analysis paralysis and people just don't know what to do with it. And if you can take statistics that you're reading and that you're seeing and provide insights into it and what it means and how it applies, those are great thought leadership pieces. So I think, Mark, you even do a good job of that, of, you know, asking people, seeing data, and I see you put out your opinion on it, your analysis of it. They're great pieces. Well, thank you. I mean, I try to put a little bit of thought into it, <laughs> but I, I rely on a lot of other people to whet my appetite with these things. Our friend, Mr. Parente, shot me out one earlier today that uh, that I took a deep dive on. And and let's mention that Janet, Chris Parente, and I host the ideation twice weekly calls for Government Marketing University. So if you want information on this, reach out to either of us. We, we'd be happy to have you attend. It's free. It's 30 minutes at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Tuesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Tuesday is usually a topic determined ahead of time. Friday is a free-for-all. And there's just some great marketing minds in our, our little group. So um, your sixth point is something that I've never listed as a separate point, but it's obvious, really, think. And this is this is one that people miss. Yeah, that think. And, you know, consume, and as you're consuming content, what gets you excited? You know, what are the things that you click on and that you share with other people and have that guide you and inform what you want to be writing? And this, you know, it does go back to knowing your audience, but... Um, you know what's appealing to you and what information you're seeking and even information that you would like to have and, you know, fill those gaps, write that content. Okay. And the number seven point here on the uh, tips for writing, again, it's obvious, but with my clients, it's like pulling teeth. Uh, Use your company's SMEs to generate content. Yeah. This is a good one. And I think some people can get tripped up feeling like, well, you know, my company expert, you know, for me, it would be, we have an expert on um, Google Tag Manager, which is a really important thing right now with the party and third party data. Um, But he's definitely not a writer, but I don't need him to be a writer. I just need him to give me bullet points, bullet things, you know, list out things that are important regarding his area of expertise And then I can give that to my writer to turn into a piece of content. So I think, you know, oftentimes people just don't look at their subject matter experts and they think of them, well, they don't know how to write. And just remember, they don't know how to write. (laughs) You have somebody on your team that can write or you can write yourself. You just need to pick their brains, get the information out, ask, ask them questions, do a questionnaire, have them do bullet points, do something that's easy for them. And then it'll be easy for you to write the article. Yeah, ask him some questions because the the resistance that I've often run across is they're billable, they don't want to give me the time, uh, and I you know we send in a freelancer to quiz them for mm-hmm. ten or fifteen minutes, and content can occur. It is not difficult, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, and again, I mean, um, we're gonna touch on this again and again. But the the whole concept here is, you know, if you have thought leaders, if you have subject matter experts, you need to highlight them because people want to buy or work with 
people who are considered among the best at what they do. Absolutely. Great point, Mark. Okay. So uh, let's, let's talk about content promotion. This is one that I've written on pretty extensively and, and you have your own thoughts here. So mm-hmm. live on your website is number one here or number eight overall. Yeah. So your content should live on your website because your website is the hub of all your marketing. So when you're posting on social media um, and you're writing blogs, where are you sending people back to? You're sending them back to your website because ultimately that's where you want them to go and you want them to leave their contact information and you want them to engage with you. So your content should live on your website ultimately. And that's another thing that I have, which is the next tip, but to make sure that when people come to that blog, there's also recommended reading on that page and some type of call to action. Um, You know, if you think about Amazon, when you buy something, they're always suggesting other things because you bought this, you might like this. You want to do the same thing with your blog and your content pieces. When people do come to your website and read it, you want to give them other information and, you know, continue them engaging in your website. And it's also important to have some type of call to action to collect their data, you know, to get them to sign up for your newsletter or continue interacting with you. We had one client we worked with there. They had a blog that was the highest. I mean, it was the number one page that people visited over their homepage, but yet people came to the blog and then left right away. So we went and looked at the blog and there was absolutely nothing on the blog, but the blog, there was no content. There was no place to enter any information. So we made those um, tweaks, you know, we call it conversion rate optimization, and their revenue um, increased that year through that engagement in that blog. I know their traffic went up by 300%, and I think their revenue increased over 30% in a really short amount of time, all based on this thought leadership piece that just generated a lot of leads for them. So pay attention to the page. Yeah. And ask for some contact information right Uh, signing up for newsletter is getting old you want to make sure that you give people a reason to give your information so i use signing up as a newsletter because everyone can picture that box but you want to tell them why you know sign up so that you don't miss out on our tips or you want to make sure that the call to action on that sign up is something that people want to do yeah the recommended reading though should that be other stuff that your company has generated Third-party data. So usually how that would work and the way that suggested content even ends up on the page is through tagging. So when you set your blog up and you tag a blog under a certain subject, it's going to pull content related to that subject. So if, you know, I wrote a blog on audience research and using data and somebody came to that blog, then they're going to see other blogs are going to pull across the bottom that relate to um, big data audience research, you know, it's going to be um, articles that are related in some way. Cool. And your your final tip for promoting is post the content on social media, but avoid duplicating the content. Right. So if you are writing a blog, um, you know, search engines don't like duplicate content. So some people were putting blogs, the same pieces, out in as a LinkedIn article, maybe they had it on medium.com and they had it on their website. Well, search engines don't like duplicate content. So it's much better if you write your article 
keep it on your um, website, but then write on an article on LinkedIn that kind of summarizes your blog and then includes a link to that. But you want things to live on your site. You can also use a rel canonical, which is telling Google which is the real article. So um, that gets a little bit more complicated, but using canonicals will also help with that problem. Cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center. I'm here today with Janet Waring of Artform Business Solutions. You can find her at artformagency.com, and we'll return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Janet Waring of Artform Business Solutions. Um, Janet, this article is uh, at Pulse. Yes, this is okay. an article on the yeah. Pulse of GovCon. So, how how to reach your government customer is at uh, the Pulse of GovCon, and the the one that we just talked about is resident at the Government Marketing U website, govmarku.com. So, um, and that's the uh, the ten tips. So, uh, both excellent pieces. But let's let's talk about how to reach your government customer, and um, once upon a time, you could go to OPM and get what was called a face card. You'd show them your driver's license, prove you were a citizen. They'd give you a face card, and you could walk the halls of pretty much any agency out there outside of you know the Pentagon and, and the intelligence communities. Um, I did it. I used to do that. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Then we had the... Uh, the Murrah building in Oklahoma city and, and access to federal buildings uh, became much more difficult. So there is no more hall walking. So how do we reach government customers? What's the contractor to do? Yeah, that, that is the big question. <laughs> so I think the really important thing to know is where your audience lives online, particularly. And with the government audience, um, it's important to remember too, that there are people with habits, um, such as the television shows that they stream, the podcasts they listen to. And it's trying to find out, you know, where do they live online? How are they consuming their news? And there's different tools and things that you can do to find that. So as we go back to like the thought leadership pieces is writing all that great content. If you can't get it in front of the right people, that's frustrating. So, um, so you want to do your research. There's different ways to find the research, find the information. So if you have a customer relationship management tool, there should be um, large amounts of data in there um, about where your audience is and how you've segmented them. And so that's a great piece, place to look. Um, if you are using LinkedIn, um, you can leverage an easy to install JavaScript tag um, and that will help you track your audience and their demographics, um, and some of their online habits as well. Um, Facebook, you can look at your demographics on Facebook and look um, people connected to your page to see who's connected to your page and find out a little bit about them. Google Analytics is another fantastic tool. So if you have Google Analytics, um, there's ways that you can customize your dashboard and do different things and use Tag Manager, but you can also just simply use the demographics tag and you can find out um, affinity and in-market audiences, which is going to show you their interests and topics, and that really can give you some good insight into um, your target audience. Um, we have a search tool that is um, 
proprietary to us that we use um, that also we can scrape the internet to find out um, information about the press that they're consuming, the webinars that they're going to, um, the YouTube channels they watch, the social channels that they're connecting with, the podcasts they listen to, um, hashtags that they use. So having all of that information helps you know how where to put your content. Okay. So a quick aside, uh, my first book, Government Marketing Best Practices, came out of a seminar that started like in 98 and uh, evolved into the book in 2005. And in, in the seminar, I started, you know, the, the research side with three simple questions. Always ask your customers, what do they read? Meaning mm. the trade pubs. What do you attend? Which conferences or or whatever were back then probably primarily conferences and what do you belong to which associations were most germane to a particular audience so this is like the expanded version of that so (laughs) this is yeah this is where all that big data comes in and then you know using the big data to help you get in front of the right set of eyeballs so you know when you know what podcasts people are listening to, then you know where to sponsor and where to be a guest. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a company with a larger budget, this is probably not a difficult uh, uh, scenario. If you're a company with a more modest budget, how do you help companies prioritize where to spend those limited marketing dollars? So we always bring that back to what is the goal. Um, you know, whenever we're talking about marketing or advertising, we're always talking about what is the goal that you're trying to accomplish with that. Um, and usually the answer to that is lead generation. So, um, or sometimes it's education and awareness, but those, it's those goals that are gonna define um, where to spend your advertising dollars. If you're at the C level, you always want that lead gen aspect, right? Right. Um, the education side, we have, let me give an example, Kerasoft, which is now the huge moose VAR distributor in the market. When Craig started the company back in 04, 05, their main uh, marketing tool was webinars webinars, webinars. Mm-hmm. Um, then they added live events, but their webinars were all educational. They did not sell in the webinars. These were all on how to use these tools, how to mm-hmm. tweak it here, you know, and because of that educational aspect, they became lead generators because you had audiences returning and returning. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they became a recognized thought leader in the implementation of technologies in the market. So even just starting out with one of those can lead to the others, but it's, it's, it's an incremental process. Correct. And with all of this, you know, the CEOs are always looking for the lead gen, but they also want you to, put together a marketing process. And this is where the automations and all the data research comes in because they want a marketing process that's scalable and repeatable. 
Um, so once they figure out something that works, or our team has figured out something that works, they want to make sure that they can scale it and repeat it. Um, and so that's a really important part of this, no matter what your budget is, um, you know, to make sure that you're setting up processes as you go. Okay. That repeat side um, tweaks my, my brain in a slightly different direction. If you have a piece of content that works in one format, should you be um, putting it out in other formats as well? Yeah, for sure. You have your evergreen pieces of content. And so when I think about something that's repeatable, let's use the example of sticking with these thought leadership pieces. If you are sending these out, let's say, in your newsletter, you have a monthly newsletter, you have an email that's going out, and you've set up automations and triggers in that email, you've got a workflow going. So somebody, you're sending them a newsletter, you've got multiple articles in there, information in there, you are tracking which thing they clicked on. And then you have an automation set up of, you know, because you liked this article, we're also sending you this, because you attended this webinar, you know, here's the slide deck, and here's the registration for this, you know, you might have a trigger set up you know, based on we haven't heard from you in six months, we thought you were like, this is what I mean by scalable and repeatable. You can repeat these when you have the workflow set up and it's automated, makes it a lot easy to scale it. Okay, cool. We're going to take our last break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network, and I'll return with Janet right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm wrapping up the show with Janet Waring of Artform Business Solutions. Uh, Janet, um, this is this is a great uh, article: the how to reach your your government customers. Um, the The next point on it: develop digital outreach strategies. I mean, um, this this should be obvious, but run through it. Yeah, so this is the next step. Like once you've learned about your audience and where they are and um, where they're hanging out online, this is where you want to just begin to ask yourself some questions about, you know, knowing what you know about your audience, what should you be writing about? Um, what videos should you be creating? How should you be branding yourself on social media? What's your brand voice? What infographics and visuals should you be creating? You know, with a reminder that visuals are always shared more than text. Um, and what content is going to reach them and how. So, you know, once you know what podcast your audience are listening to, you want to see how you can be a guest on the podcast or sponsor it. Once you know the right words and phrases that your audience is using on social, those are the words and phrases that you want to use, particularly in the government audience. They want to hear you speaking their language. So you want to make sure that you're using the same phrases um, and hashtags that they're using. Yeah, that, um, that's an interesting point all by itself because a lot of the uh, the what's called a generic marketing advice revolves around speaking plain English. That really doesn't apply in GovCon. Right. <laughs> that's like a whole course in in and of itself. How to learn the government marketing language? Um, you should teach that, Mark. <laughs> Well, I, I have glossaries in in both the books, and they're they're not like ten pages; they're like fifty pages. So, so yeah. yeah, it 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 is a it is its own language. 
So, uh, so what else, uh, what other formats are we dealing with here? Podcasts. Let's, let's take that one a second. There are several excellent podcasts, but, uh, and your research can show, uh, which ones are getting the traction, but what, what's your, what's your angle for getting somebody on one? It's just reaching, it's reaching out. I mean, if you have a podcast, chances are you're looking for a guest. You are looking for the next person to have on there. Um, that's going to be relevant to your audience. So, and podcasters are always looking for sponsors. So you, you, it's really an open door there. Um, and the research you want to look at is the percentage of your audience. You know, what percentage of your audience listens to this podcast? So you can set your budget and priorities of which ones are most important to you and, and how to go after them. So, so basically introducing yourself and presenting your work. Correct. Okay, cool. Um, social. Right. So social, that's where we were just getting into, you know, knowing those correct words and phrases, um, knowing the words and um, people use in their bios and profiles um, so that you can use the interest field tools in Facebook, Twitter, and Google, um, and how to target directly to decision makers in the company by knowing what their job titles are. So these are all really important things to use in your social outreach. Um, again, using hashtags, you know, hashtags are a filter. So if you want to filter by GovCon or filter by a certain um, contract name, you know, use those hashtags and, and find the people that you're trying to target. Yeah, I mean, we have the uh, the whole agency-based marketing thing. Mm-hmm. So referencing, you know, the... Uh, the target agency or the operating division within the agency is, is a little obvious, but I've often seen a lot of what would have been really great content presented without any reference to the contractual vehicles where it's Mm -hmm. available. Yeah. Hashtags would come in handy there. (laughs) Well, not yeah, The hashtags, but, but you know, it, you're, you're adding steps if you're not telling people how they can access Great point. Right. Webinars. We talked about them, but let's talk about them again. Yes, yeah, so webinars have definitely exploded over the pandemic. You know, everyone was trying to learn something new. People were, you know, trying to figure out how to reach their audience. And webinars are just a great way to show your expertise. You know, it's a great way to get your content out there. Okay. Now, the elephant in the room, media. In, in, including Federal News Network. Right. So knowing what and how people are consuming um, media, what publications do they go to, what websites, where do they go to consume their news, that helps you know about opportunities to buy advertising space, where you want to submit your articles, how you want to do you know, sponsor content. Um, and again, it helps prioritizing your budget of knowing what percentage of your audience is on those media outlets. Okay. So, and, and, you know, for, for GovCon, there, there's a little bit of a twist because there is, there's definitely GovCon media sources, the usual suspects, right? But the government community also delves into, you know, Lord knows how many other technical publications or specialty publications. Um, so under, understanding that side is is really critical 
It is. And I think, you know, we've all been approached by different media outlets of, you know, trying to get us to buy advertising on there to sponsor the content. And that's where just knowing the right questions to ask and being informed um, is, is your audience reading this publication? You know, that's going to help inform whether or not you want to spend your dollars, your limited marketing dollars on this publications and um, sponsored content. Yeah, it, it it can get a little pricey. So let's, I mean, the next point on this is is the content by following engaging with sources of influence that reach your target audience. You can find content pieces from those publishers that are earning engagement. How do you leverage this? Uh, again, it's just, it's really just knowing um, where you want to spend your advertising dollars, where your audience is. And doing something, you know, you could use something like Netline to do sponsored content. And Netline is going to put your content out on different places. There's like Netline, there's Outbrain, all these syndicated content platforms that you can use. But it's going to get your content out there um, in front of audiences. It's going to learn who's clicking on it and then begin to serve. You know, all these platforms learn. So as your content's out there, they learn which what gets clicked on and where to serve it, which publication gets clicked on more often. So that that to me is the easiest way to do it. Put some paid behind it and do some content syndication. Okay. So um is is there any downside to sponsored content? Because it always has that little tag somewhere. Yeah, I think everyone's learning that, but I think that's where it's important to have a hook or the best subject line that you can have. Because I think all of us, by nature, we see that it's sponsored content, but if it's still something we're interested in reading, we're going to click on it anyway. We're going to read it, you know, we're not going to necessarily see it as an ad if it's relevant or important information to us. So that goes back to doing the research on what is your audience searching for? What are the titles that you should be using? Okay. Your your final uh, example of affinity data is streaming platforms. Right. So you can advertise, you know, on Netflix, Hulu, any of these services that have become so popular over the pandemic, of course, have advertising space available. Um, and if you find that's where your audience is, put some money behind it. Use those streaming platforms. Is that pricey? Can you do that on a regional basis? How does it work? Yes, you can definitely do it on a regional basis. And is it pricey? It can be pricey, but it's also very effective. So your return on the investment there is typically pretty high. So we found it to be um, a good platform to use, depending on our client. And then, you know, again, it comes back to their goals. Okay, so the, the way you find the streaming platforms all goes back to that parsing the data that you find? Correct. Making okay. sure that your target audience is there before you put any effort behind it. Okay. Your 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 final point is, you know, meet your audience where they are. So it, it, take take a little bit of a deep dive into that, please. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, the topics that are in discussion are in engagement. Um, and those that are in engagement are in traffic and subscribers and search rankings. So that's the formula that we want to use for content marketing. So you want to go um, 
where content or competition is light and interest is high, which comes back to your keyword research. You know, oftentimes using the most searched keyword can be very competitive and you're not likely to rank for it. So if you can find keywords and topics that still have a high search volume, but a low competition, that's where you want to, that's your sweet spot. That's where you want to be. And again, it does, it always comes back to data. You know, the, the big data, how to use it, how to use it to your advantage. Okay. Do you have some final thoughts to share, please? Um, final thoughts to share would be to use your data, understand where your data is, and if you need any help with it, to reach out to me. Reach out uh, <laughs> at, at, uh, at artformagency.com? Correct. And, and my email is Janet at artformbsi.com. It stands for the Business Solutions, Inc., so we are under a rebrand right now. We are rebranding to Artform Agency. So we're kind of in transition. Okay. But they should be able to find you they anyway. Should. And they can find you on LinkedIn. For sure. All right. Uh, Janet, thanks so much for sharing today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Okay. This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government. I am not an agency, so I do not implement. I advise. Uh, However, I also advise on building that subject matter expert platform, uh, something that Janet and I have discussed. So if that's of interest, drop me a line, markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 